I'm being killed by the demon. Help, Matthew. Ah, uh, it's too strong. It's too strong. Rock, Paper, Shotgun, Electronic, Wireless Show. I'm Brendan. It is episode 54. Uh, this is the 1st of August, and I'm joined this week by Matthew Castle. Hello. Hello. It's good. We haven't had you on in a while, I don't think. Uh, no. I talked. I, I remember being in a room with Alice and talking about steampunk trains or something. That's right, yeah. <laughs> um... So, Matthew is our video person, in case you missed that earlier episode. Uh, yes, one of, cool. one, of, one of two currently. One of two. Um, how's that going? It's going okay, thanks. Yeah, it's, you know, we're kind of, I say we're getting into the swing of it. We're finding our feet and working out what we want to do with the channel, and people seem to be saying nice things, so I hope people will check it out. There's some good stuff on there. Um we sometimes, there's some really good stuff, but it's couched in the language of obnoxious YouTube, so some people don't click on it, so they go, oh no, it's going to be shouty idiot stuff. None of it generally is shouty idiot stuff. It just looks like that, because I have to sell it to everyone else. So, um, yeah, that's the current challenge. So you're chasing the shouty idiot YouTube dollar, Yeah. but YouTube but you, numbers. But then you get into the video, and it's full of, like... Uh, well, I mean, there's probably a, a moderate amount of shouty idiot, idiot stuff, but um, <laughs> uh, yeah, whatever. It's all, it's all fun. Cool. Um, thank you for listening to the opening of our podcast. Guess what our theme is about this week, Matthew? Uh, you not, you don't need to guess. You know, I told you before yeah, we started recording. <laughs> it's uh, video game openings. So the best openings of games. Let's see how many of how many of the games we each have on our little cheat sheet are the same. Mm. Shall I start with an opening? Yeah, go on. I'm going to start. Uh, this is a bit like Family Fortunes, where you say the word, <laughs> and, and and our survey said, "I'm going to say Bioshock." I knew it. It was my <laughs> first one too. It's everybody's first one. Oh, 100 points! Uh, we've just lost Pointless, incidentally, um, the other game show. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, Bioshock. I actually played it on 360 first. It was the first 360 game I played. Because um, I, I was going to... Uh, basically, a friend was selling me a 360, and, and uh, so the first game I bought was Bioshock, and I remember playing it weirdly in his living room and just... You know, you crash and you go into the lighthouse and then you descend. And I remember just thinking, I'd never seen anything like it. I was like, this is the best investment I've ever made. Like, every <laughs> game is going to be like this. And so it wasn't just the opening of Bioshock, it was the opening of the Xbox 360 uh, for me. So it had this sort of double kind of meaning, um, which is probably why it popped into my head first. It's quite funny, isn't it? Like, Loads of games are all about being stuck in a tiny room or a tiny set of corridors, and then like the the Bethesda games are like about being stuck in small places and then being opened up and shown like a massive world. Oh, it's so amazing! But Bioshock is about being shown a massive, like vast, empty sea and then being thrown into a really claustrophobic set of corridors. Yeah. Oh, but it's just uh, you know of that that sort of cinematic style, which I know lots of people are down on, and you know it's a bit of a dying thing or a dying art anyway. Um, just the timing and the choreography of 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 the kind of the 
the what's the thing called? The Rapture, the city. No, the the ball that you're in. Um, <laughs> the bathosphere. Is oh, it that's called it. Bathosphere? Yeah, I was thinking bath bomb, but it's not that. The ba- the giant bath bomb that you ride to the bottom of the <laughs> yeah. ocean. Do you remember that? Just leaving a big <laughs> scented trail behind you. <laughs> um, that would be a very different opening. Um, still sounds good though. Yeah, I'd play it. Um, yeah, just like the choreography of the way it times. You know, when he finishes his little speech, and then you come up over that rocky cluster and you see the city for the first time and i was just like this is brilliant like whatever else happens in this game i i, I already love it i'm totally on board with it and it, it, one of those things that even thinking about it now i still kind of get hairs on the back of my neck even though it's like this sort of totally non-interactive thing yeah it, yeah. it it's just so it's so brilliantly done i agree i think it's definitely going to be at the top of most people's lists i've got one Let's see how many people have th- have thought of this one. Half Life Two. I actually haven't got Half Life on my list. <laughs> um, I like Half Life Two's intro because it takes you to a nice big city, and you just walk around for ages without a gun, wondering why you're here, and what this has to do with anything. Because. It's- mm. Not related to the first game, apart from there being a man in a suit, uh, and some aliens walking around that you seem to remember. Yeah. Uh, but I just love the kind of slow burning. It starts off you're in a you just kind of like a nobody walking through a border control basically. Mm. Uh, it's like being one of the people in Papers Please. And being arrested and told to go off to one side, but it's a 3D first person viewpoint of that, and mm. it could have pretty bad consequences for you. Um, and then the whole the whole thing from there is just like steadily building interesting introduction to the city and to the people who are putting up this resistance and stuff. I just really like it. Sorry, there's a dog barking. I, can, I, mean, I say it's it's actually like setting the scene for like a security checkpoint. <laughs> like I'm hearing a scary guard dog in the background. I need to apologise to any listeners. I've moved, recording in a different place, so there may be some sound some sound effects in the background might include that dog barking, that dog howling, <laughs> the the bells of a nearby cathedral going off, that dog howling at the bells of the nearby cathedral going off. <laughs> Um, so if you hear any of those noises, uh, I apologize, and I'm apologizing and admitting them. There he goes because I don't want to take the time to edit them all out. It's just going to be too much. It's a bit like people are going to be able to use these sound effects to kind of reverse engineer where you're recording from. You know, like how in, in kidnap films, where like, they're like, "Wait, that dog? Those bells? It can only be Winchester or whatever." <laughs> um, I like that drama. Uh, Half Life Two. That's that's my shout. I like the bit where the man asks you to put the thing in the bin. Pick up that can. <laughs> yeah. That's my best impression of that angry man. What happens if you don't pick it up? Um, I don't know what happens if you don't pick it up, but I know if you pick it up and throw it at his head, he gets annoyed and hits you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you can end up doing a bit of a Benny Hill routine where you're sort of legging <laughs> it around the station. People are trying to zap you because you, you didn't throw away a can. Yeah, or that's true. I do enjoy that. I wonder if they get annoyed, like, if that's what they want from people to play in their games. To, you know, we've choreographed this very, you know, atmospheric opening, and then here are these people just with a big long queue of angry guards chasing them around this platform. <laughs> and they're like, this was meant to be art, damn it. <laughs> Appreciate it. That's why you can't go wrong with Bioshock. No, everyone, you're forced into that ball, like, no choice but to, like, do it on their terms. Yeah, it's very on reels. Mm. But at least Half Life Two, it it that was an interesting, or it was a neat way of teaching you. You can pick things up and throw them. Like yeah, unless you were like me and just went, yes, I'll put it in the bin because I'm a sniveling worm. <laughs> <laughs> My pleasure. <laughs> That's what I like. Collaborator. <laughs> yeah, oh, I'm totally a collaborator. I hated it when I had to fight everyone in that game. I was. 100% up for just becoming one with the city and living my life and you know like don't question it like when the guy came to save me from them I was like no that's fine I'll, I'm okay I've, I'm done fighting I'm tired just let me <laughs> just let me go to my you know apartment and that'll be the rest of the game 
Okay, what else have we got? Uh, I got uh, my next absolute clanger, Mass Effect 2. Yeah, no, that's good. That's a good one. Um, again, just because I think it's... I, I, well, I know there's numerous things. One, it's incredibly exciting and cinematic to see your ship getting smashed up. You know, that's like sort of sequel 101, isn't it? You know, take the thing that you really value from the first game and then just sort of wreck it uh, instantly. So you're already kind of, you know, in an angry place or you're kind of invested. Um, I just, I really like it as a a workaround for the, oh, like he's dead and he's melted, so we're going to rebuild him. Do you want to change what he looks like? I think that is really elegantly done as a kind of character continuation technique. Um, you know, the idea that you can kind of rebuild him or build yourself so it's an in if you haven't played it as well. Like, it's just, it's just, it's just good. It's a good opening, isn't it? I think, yeah, it's good. Uh, the The fact that the ship, the Normandy, gets destroyed, the thing you love gets destroyed is kind of offset by the fact that it gets rebuilt as well, like, yeah. room for room. Um, does it get, does it get, Built better. I can't really remember. It gets, yeah, it probably does get built better. The Normandy better. The Normandy a better version. That was what it was called, right? Mm. Uh, I, on that theme, I do like the start of Halo. Your ship getting blown up and you trying to get out in time because it's getting boarded by aliens. It's quite a, like it's quite a. I guess it's a bit cliche, like, but it. I I really enjoyed the just the game throwing you into the action straight away. And yeah. Letting you letting you hop over fires and run away from bad things. Yeah, it was weird though with Halo because I'd seen all the all the shots and everything you see of that game is like driving the buggies around like a big green planet and then the opening is very, you know, it looks like any other game, you know, it's another <laughs> corridor. You're in corridors. Yeah. You know, geez. you actually you don't have to play that long, but I remember playing like a, I think there was a demo pod of it or something in a shop and being like well, this isn't, you know, I can't see this being the next big thing. And then obviously <laughs> before I even left the ship. So, uh, you know, and then that happens and it all kicks off. So they run the risk of like, you forget how short attention spans some people have or idiots like me have. <laughs> I could have stopped playing it and just gone, oh, Halo, it's rubbish. That ship escaping game, pants. <laughs> I can't believe they made five more games of that. <laughs> Uh, what else have I got? Oh, I've got one that, yeah, Portal Two. I think is a is a good opening. Um, I think it's better than the first one. You, you. I think if I remember right, you're in a you're in an apartment or like a room, and then the room just starts crumbling. Yeah, um, there's some funny little tests, isn't it? You don't have to look at a, don't you have to stare at a painting on the wall or something. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. I think it's very funny and very like. Uh, just easing you into the to the humor of the game before letting you have a po- big gun, big portal gun. Um, really enjoyed that. Yeah, any game that starts off with like Stephen Merchant being a bit cross with you is is always good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would like I'd like him to do more tutorial voices. Dragon Age Origins, I think, has a good opening because it gives you loads of openings to choose from. I've I so here's is something terrible to admit. I've not actually played Dragon Age the original. I've only played Inquisition. Um, but I've I've heard a lot about these fabled introductions. How substantial are they as things like as intros? They are substantial enough that no Dragon Age game has done it again because it seems like it would be a lot of work. Right, uh, but. Uh, they're pretty neat. I think there's, I can't remember exactly how many there are, but I think there's maybe six in total or something. And it depends not only on the kind of race that you play, um, but also the kind of person you are within that race. So if there are two types of dwarves, I think there's like a underground city dwelling dwarf and then an above ground dwarf. I don't know, something like that. I can't, I can't remember exactly, but right. just because I only played it through i think twice so i've only seen two of them myself that weren't like pl- other people's playthroughs and it doesn't last like a huge amount of time it's like the same amount of time as a tutorial level might take you oh I see. And it just teaches you the ropes and then they all dump you at the same place they, so they all dump you at being a gray warden and going doing the gray warden's test 
and that's when they all kind of like converge. Um, so it doesn't last like a huge amount of time, but they each start in a really in a distinct place. Oh, okay. And they each start with like a distinct tale. There are different characters involved. You know, oh, you might maybe be. I, maybe I have actually tried playing it once. Is one of them a wedding? I can't remember. I've got a vague memory of being at a fantasy wedding in something. <laughs> I mean, it could be anything. <laughs> that's really unhelpful. <laughs> was it your own wedding, Matthew? Oh yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of my own wedding. Sorry, uh, it was just, it was such an adventurous, exciting day. I get it confused with uh, the hit uh, RPG series Dragon Age. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it probably had some of the same music. Um, uh, yeah, pro- yeah, yeah. There was definitely a music element to it. Uh, what else have we got? What else have you got? I've, I've picked Grim Fandango. Um, but I don't know how long we can stretch an intro to. So in my head, and this is a game I haven't played for many years, but the opening to the game, I think it's like the first year, is actually quite a sizable chunk. It's probably like two hours of puzzling. You're, you know, you're, you're in your job and then you have to, you kind of mess up. You know, you're the, the selling the tickets to the afterlife and you kind of mess up someone's account and have to chase after them. And then you sort of fail to catch them. And then it kind of goes into year two where you're in the big city. But in my head, like, I love that opening, you know, the way it kind of introduces all the characters. You have some puzzles to solve and then you're kind of left at the end of it. You've sort of failed your initial task and he's, uh, Manny's just sort of, um, mopping the floor of this sort of sad little cafe on a cliff and I've, I've got such a distinct memory of this the camera <laughs> then like pans up into the sky and it says like one year later and it pans down and in that year you know you've bought the cafe you've turned it into this huge like sort of bouncing night spot everyone you know and the city's just like transformed into this huge kind of party town and it it plays this amazing music and i was obsessed with this cutscene like i'd watch this cutscene over and over again because i loved the music it was so exciting and just the idea that like to have seen a character like so much had changed for him you know in the game and i was you know i was like oh i i know what it was to play as this sort of sad kind of businessman and now I'm like the coolest guy in the city and it just felt like I'd never seen a game make that kind of time and story jump. Matthew, um, I'm I'm disqualifying this on the grounds that it's probably the best opening of act 2 of a game. I it, well, yeah, but isn't the opening to act 2 technically act 1? <laughs> I, that's that's the case I'm making here. Um <laughs> But, well, okay, I thought that might be controversial, but I wanted to get it in there because, in my head, that's when the game proper begins, you know, mm. when you're in that, because it really opens up, and, oh, God, I love that cutscene so much. I haven't actually watched it in a long time because I'm worried I'd watch it and it would be terrible or really budget and it would be heartbreaking, but it's locked away as this perfect memory, um, which you've disqualified, which is fine. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm really glad that I put it all out there. <laughs> um, I, 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 no, I feel you. I've got a, I've got a very, uh, I've got a fondness for the opening of Resident Evil, the very first Resident Evil, where you're chased into a scary mansion by terrible, by a terrible FMV sequence. Yeah. Um, and uh, that, it, it's not like a great opening or anything, but it immediately puts you in this place and says why you're there, and it refuses to let you leave in the most fun way. Like you go up to the front door that you just came in and be like, "I'm just gonna go out because why wouldn't I just try to leave this horrible haunted mansion?" Yeah. And you kind of it gives you this like rubbishy cutscene where you open the door and that dog's head like jams itself through the opening of the door and starts barking and slavering at you and you have to close the door on it and be like, okay, I guess I'm not leaving. Oh, I used um, to love, I used to be obsessed with FMV sequences. Like that was, when I was about 10, 12, that was like the the, the criteria by which we rated games. Like how good was the FMV? Because they were so much better than the in-game graphics of like anything. Um used to go around like friends' houses and watch cutscenes from games, you know, check this out. Oh god. Endlessly, endlessly amazing. That, that X Files um, game that was totally FMV must have blown your mind. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think we ever played that one. That's probably too too scary. 
I remember seeing it and really wanting it, and um, probably glad I didn't ever get it. Mm. Oh god, good cutscenes. Have we got any more? Uh, I really like the opening to the recent Prey. Um, mm. You know where you're in that, you know you're in that kind of dream city, and you go to work, and then spoiler alert, it isn't all as it seems. Um, you know, I remember playing that at a. Um, it's it's a weird one actually. I remember playing at a press event, and obviously it hadn't been seen to that at uh, that point. And I remember thinking, "Oh wow, that's so clever! Like people are really going to enjoy this." You know, seeing how their life kind of breaks down and how they're actually trapped in this weird sort of simulation thing, and um, and then we all took videos of it and put it up online so that no one else could enjoy it for themselves. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it was like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Uh, and it plays that great music when you get in the helicopter uh, as you fly around the city. I, again, that's a game where I really like the life he has at the start before it all goes to shit. Uh, <laughs> and I'd much rather play like twenty hours of that of just doing like tests in that in your brother's laboratory and then going back to your nice house. And you just want like, to do be a space chemist in. In a nice, normal Earth city. Yeah, with gleaming skyscrapers, you know, as opposed to everything's really scary and this cup's going to turn into an alien and <laughs> that bin's going to turn into an alien. And I liked it when things didn't turn into aliens. You know, call me crazy, but <laughs> I liked my alien-free life. Um, that, that was good. That, that was a good, uh, a good intro. Um... I'm just looking at see what else I've got. I was also going to say Resident Evil 4. Um, just because it threw you in the deep end in a way I've not really seen a game do. You know, where you go into that village and everyone comes after you and you're just like, is this the whole game? Like, am I going to be this stressed, like, forever? Um, but you really do struggle out of it. And, you know, you have to learn everything about that game basically in the first 10 minutes or you're going to die horribly and it's pretty bold and I wonder how many people just went nah screw that and like never got any further with with Resident Evil 4 but uh I didn't think it would be the kind of you know I didn't on paper I'd go oh that sounds dreadful I wouldn't like enjoy that but it just sort of set the tone and I came out thinking god if I can do that you know what else am I going to be able to do that's a great opening all I can remember from the start of President Resident President Evil Four, um, is uh, the the president daughter the president's daughter has been kidnapped. Yeah. By Spanish villagers. Yes. <laughs> somehow, mm. and you're just kind of wandering slowly in to get her back. Yeah, but you you kind of go into a house and you meet someone and you do a little bit of fighting, but then you go into the village. And everyone swarms you, and then you just have to like hold them off for a an amount of time. Do you remember that? I just remember doing that a lot. Uh, you do do that a lot, but what's amazing is is that you do it quite quickly at the start of the game. You know, it makes you do it relatively early on. Uh... You know, where some games might not. You know, they might kind of ease you into it a bit more and kind of teach you about. It, but it just sort of goes. Ah, here it is. You've got this open arena you're in. There's like four different houses you can go in. You're you're kind of climbing through windows and stuff. Oh, it's it's pretty scary. I like Dark Souls for doing the same thing, just not holding back and just giving you giving you a boss within the first like five minutes and saying, "Okay, so this game, it's about bosses, right?" Yeah, <laughs> and probably. you can't you can't just hit this boss over and over again. That won't work. Yeah, that was uh, it was incredibly stressful. I've uh, my terrible another terrible gaming sin along with Dragon Age. This one's worse than Dragon Age. Uh, I've only played Dark Souls up to that guy on the bridge really early on. Which guy on the bridge? The, like, the, sec oh, the second the, boss. Yeah. Not the tutorial boss, the next boss. Um, yeah, the Taurus you, demon, I believe. You kind of climb off a tower and then he jumps onto the bridge. Yeah, and he, he's, he's nasty. Every time I mention this, everyone's like, climb up the ladder and then jump on his head, stab him in his head when he's down below. As if it's like the most obvious thing in the world. And I've been told <laughs> this by about 20 different people. And I've tried it many times. I just, I just can't do it. I haven't got the, 
the ability and all the patience to make my way up to that tower to have another shot killing that thing. Just jump on its head. Oh, just cut up the ladder and jump on its head. Oh, or just, just, just roll under its legs. Oh, people like, oh, the worst. People who give you Dark Souls advice. They well, forget what it's like to be a noob. They've forgotten what it is to be a noob. That's the thing. Dark Souls games tend to get easier as they go along just because you get better at them. But um, so the first few bosses are always worse. But most people get stuck at the next boss, who's like the Capra Demon. I don't even know that. It, I I hear the names of these things thrown <laughs> around, but I've never seen them, so I have no idea. Like when I think Capra Demon, I think Capra Sun, and I doubt it has any relation to that. I'll I'll explain. It. Like imagine a Capri Sun, yeah. Oh. But with two massive horns coming out the side of its top. Oh god. And holding two massive swords. Right. And it's probably about a hundred and fifty times bigger than a than your average Capri Sun. Well, that element of it I like. I like the idea of a giant Capri Sun. Like I'm on board with that. But the rest of it It's much slimmer, it contains no orange juice. Oh dear, no and that's me it, out. It's got two dogs as mates. <laughs> what this is the weirdest And you and you fight it you fight it in what is effectively a coffin. So, uh, like now, now that you've said all that, and I've put it in the plus and <laughs> minus columns, there's definitely more in the minus column for this Capri Sun rebrand. Um, so I'm not interested. Where does the straw go? The straw gets bent before you even start uh, fighting God. this thing. That is, in many ways, Capri Sun is the original Dark Souls. Like so much can go wrong with that thing. <laughs> Capri Sun is the Dark Souls of Lunchbox juices. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, right. Have we got any more openings, or would you like to play a game about openings? Uh, yeah, I'll, pl- I'll play a game about openings. Okay, we'll have to just call this a game about openings, because... I don't have a good fun name for this kind of half quiz about openings. Um, basically, I'm going to give you like an opening sentence, right? And it's going to say you are in a certain place. And you're going to have to try and guess where you are and what game, what game world you're in. So it's kind of like, imagine a pen and paper RPG where right. I'm describing where you are. Or an interactive fiction where I'm describing where you are. You can ask me questions and I'll answer right. them until you get where you are. And they're right. I get it. So, but so, th- these aren't specifically like the opening areas from games that I might recognise. They might just be games. No, they are the opening areas. It's oh, okay, the openings of the oh, games. Right. So, for instance, I'll say you're you're in a prison cell, and Patrick Stewart has just arrived, and you'll say, "Oh, that's Oblivion." Right. I get it. Yeah. Okay. All right. So here we go. Okay, you're on a beach. Uh, okay. You just need to ask questions now. All right. Um. Am I by myself? Uh, you are for now. Um, am I having a nice time on the beach? Uh, you're not. You've just woken up. You're kind of groggy-headed. You don't get anything. There are some trees and rocks in the distance. Um, oh, Jesus. <laughs> am I wearing clothes? You're not. You're not. You're totally naked. <laughs> what the hell is it? Uh, I've woken up on a beach and I'm naked. Have I got any equipment? You've got absolutely nothing. There's a bear coming towards you as well. Uh, (laughs) Why don't I know this? This feels like very specific. (laughs) Uh, Have I got like any innate skills or abilities that are coming to mind? You know, am I like, oh, I can do this. You can punch the bear, but you can also run away from the bear. I'm on a, it's not a Far Cry game, is it? It's not. Uh, is it really obvious? Mm, it might be, but only once you hear it. <laughs> okay. There's a bear running towards me on a fucking beach. <laughs> uh, I, I, don't, I actually don't know. I can't think of it. Give, give me another clue. The, the bear has been caught and killed by another naked person. And that other naked person is now screaming obscenities and rushing towards you with a rock in his hands. Like, holding a rock with both hands. It's like an undead bear. No, no, another person has now dealt with the bear. 
and is just it, he's now coming towards you this other naked person oh, is it rust it is rust yeah <laughs> Is there a bear in Rust? There are bears. There are bears and wolves and stuff. Does it always start with a bear? Unless they got rid of them. I don't know. I've never, I've never played it, but I know that you are naked. It doesn't always start with a bear, no. There's just some about, so... There might be details like that sprinkled into these descriptions. Okay, right, but... okay, so you're going to spice it up a bit. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, okay, you've awoken in a bed in an old shack. Okay, uh, am I wearing any clothes? <laughs> You are wearing some clothes. They're kind of dirty and gritty, and they've they've got blood on them, probably. I'm in a bloody shack. Okay. Uh, is there anything else in the shack? There is another person sitting next to you. He's like kind of an old man. You can't tell if he's creepy or kindly, and he's sitting at your bedside, and he says he's a doctor, but everything he's wearing is dirty. Everything in the house is dirty. Uh... Is it Fallout New Vegas? It is Fallout New Vegas, Robin. Oh, <laughs> uh, one of my favourite clips of that game is that opening, except the guy's head starts rotating. Yes. <laughs> I was actually going to say, like, if you didn't get it, the man's head just starts going at 360 degrees. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, wonderful. <laughs> okay, here's one you'll probably get. You're in a nice apartment, and you've got a beautiful view of San Francisco. Oh, okay. Um, am I wearing clothes? <laughs> you are wearing clothes, but they might not be your work clothes. Okay. Is there anyone else in the house? No, it's just you. The The Golden Gate Bridge is sitting in the background. Your workspace is full of electronics and computer. It's just you, though. Hmm. Oh! Oh, this is uh, Prey. It is Prey. Yeah. Yay! <laughs> I forgot that that was San Francisco. I was like, <laughs> yeah. I had to look it up. I knew it was a city, but I had to like look up the the clip and see the Golden Gate Bridge. Yeah. <laughs> Unless there's more Golden Gate Bridges in the future in different cities. Oh, there might be. Yeah, everyone's got one. Everyone got jealous. Um. Okay, this is the last one. Okay. You're sitting at a desk in a tiny office room. Okay. What's on the desk? You've got a single old computer. It's got like an old CRT monitor right? Um, and a keyboard. Basically, that's it. Maybe a lamp. I think there's a lamp there. Okay. Um, am I... Do we know if I'm naked? Well, I don't know, but presumably you're wearing like basic office clothes. Okay. Uh, is there anyone else in the office? It's not. It There, there isn't. It's spookily empty, actually. All the other rooms in the office have numbers on them, and some doors are open and some doors are closed, but you can't see anybody. Can I leave the office? You can leave your cubicle. Right. But when when you do, you're going to hear, like, a, a deep authoritative voice. What? <laughs> uh, what does the voice say? Um, It's kind of just telling you your name. It's talking over your actions, like, whatever you do, it's talking about what you're doing. It's very odd. It's odd, because that's kind of what you're doing. So it's it's getting a bit meta. Is this is this the game that we're playing? No, it's not. But that's is, this the, is this the opening to this quiz? <laughs> like I am sitting at my desk, and you are talking to me. <laughs> um. Oh, uh, is it Stanley Parable? It is the Stanley Parable. Yay! You're right. Good I work. Won. What do I win? You've won my admiration for getting. Almost all of those games. In fact, I think you got them all. With a bit of help. No, you got them all. Nice. I had one other one, Mass Effect 2, but you would get that as soon as I said you're on a spaceship that's blowing up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that could be a, that could be Halo. Okay, that was the openings quiz. I like that. I think we'll probably be doing a, a clo best game closings. What is, what's, this, what's the word? Endings. <laughs> endings. <laughs> best game endings podcast at some point. So we'll have to repeat this quiz format with uh, game endings and see how, how few, few of us have actually completed games. No, busted. 
That's games journalists. All games journalists instantly screwed. Um, so yes, uh, if I hope you enjoyed playing that along with that at home. I did. Oh right, yeah, you're talking to them. <laughs> I'm not talking to you, no, I'm at the Yeah. <laughs> okay. Shall we talk about what we've been playing a little bit? Yes. What have you been playing? I've been playing No Man's Sky and Dead Cells. <gasps> Which of those are you more interested in hearing about? Well, I've been playing Dead Cells as well, so let's save that one for later. Yes. Um, um, no Man's Sky has gotten a recent update, so that might be worth talking about. Yeah, so uh, I, yeah, I've been playing the next update, which is... At, well, it's not the next, it's the current update, but it's called next. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I really hate that. It makes it so annoying to write about. Yeah, it's really irritating. Um, we, I, this isn't a game... I, I didn't play much of it when it first came out. Uh, you know, I kind of had that experience lots of people had where I kind of dipped in and went, uh, not much of a game here, and then left. Um, which I know uh, John on the site is kind of has the complete opposite take on in that he really liked pottering around and has kind of hated all the the kind of nonsense they've added on top. Um, so I kind of came into this with both those kind of takes, you know, kind of sitting there thinking, oh, I wonder which I'm going to kind of, which will reflect my kind of experience. And I found it initially befuddling because there's a lot of busy work and like nonsense that doesn't feel particularly... Um, like spectacular, you know, the, the game that promises you the universe and then you're like kicking trees into bits and you're like, really? You know, is this, you <laughs> built all this and my job in this world is to kind of kick a tree into bits and then build a wooden shack and like, it's not very 2001, you know, it's not, I feel like it should open with a bit more of a, you know, wow, here's a taster of, like how huge this place is, but it starts on this very like, you know, very specific moment. And I happened to be on a planet that was basically just a giant lump of rock being kind of rained on with acid and all kinds of horrible stuff. Yeah. So it was really stressful. And, you know, I kind of battled through the tutorial and I did a, I was doing a video for the channel about, you know, advice, kind of tips video. And, so I kind of deliberately went looking for shortcuts to kind of get around some of the the kind of the stuff I wasn't enjoying, the kind of the the collecting and the refining and basically putting in the time. Um, and then I bought a visor that basically every time I scanned new alien life, because that's something you can do on the planets, uh, you get some credits. And this visor added such a huge multiplier that I basically became like a millionaire in a minute. I could just scan. <laughs> I basically scanned something that looked like a kind of a pig that had been turned inside out and got like 200,000 credits. And <laughs> then I was kind of off. Like the sooner you've got money, that game changes massively because you can just get around, you know, the, the, the kind of day-to-day -day grind and then you can just become a space adventurer. Um, and I know some people say, well, why don't you just play in creative mode, which removes all that, uh, you know, all the kind of survival stuff and you can just build. But I want a bit more, you know, because there's still a lot of game there. There's a lot of stuff to kind of, you know, you can build, a, you know, an empire with your kind of, you, you get a big freighter and you get a big star fleet, you know, a bit like a Battlestar Galactica. Where you've got all those ships around you and you can sort of send them off doing jobs and things. All that kind of stuff I'm really into. I want to be powerful space god. And <laughs> now I can work towards that. You know, powerful space god does not want to kick kick roots. You know, I've got bigger <laughs> things and better things to be working at. And so I feel like I've skipped the early game, which I didn't like. And now I'm just pootling around and, you know, I, I can... If, I, if I'm bored of a place, I can just buy the fuel or whatever and just fly off, walk to the next galaxy. I've got a better ship, so I can just you know, hack away at stuff and stock up my ship with all that kind of gubbins. Uh, yeah, I just, I feel like I've turned it into the game I want it to be. Um, and it's really good fun. Like, I, 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 I reached a couple of planets which were genuinely, you know, looked amazing. Like, the colours of them and the textures of them and the, the kind of undulating landscape, which I think is one of the big things in Next, is that the kind of algorithm that shapes the terrain gives you 
a lot more kind of dramatic extremes. So you can have like mountains and canyons that maybe didn't happen as much before. So there's just, you know, visually, it's not just a big old, you know, endless field of brown. It's, it's a, you know, a giant hilly canyon. It's all kinds of stuff going on. It's exciting, you know, and it's weird. And I'm collecting little bits of an alien language and I can kind of understand like a third of what people tell me and that's kind of fun I sort of muddle my way through that and yeah it's, it's good you know it's kind of what I thought the game was meant to be um and yeah fair play for them for sort of sticking with it and kind of finding the game I mean, maybe it shouldn't have taken them this long or they shouldn't have launched it before doing that but it's there now <laughs> yeah it's interesting what you say about like when people tell you, or just, if you don't want to do any of the tree kicking stuff, just <laughs> play in creative mode. And I think it misses the point of wanting a game that has at least a bit of mild peril in it. Like it, it doesn't have to be grindy yeah. for it to be a, a bit of a challenge, or to give you something to get over to feel like you've accomplished. Games sometimes need to make the right amount of peril, and if they make or the right amount of challenge, and if they make the wrong amount, the mm. solution isn't just, oh, we'll just play on the super-duper nothing-is-troubling-you mode, and then you get to see everything. It's like, that's not really what I want to do. I kind of want to feel a bit a bit forced into doing some things, and a bit like I've overcome yeah. something, but maybe not this much. Yeah, because you, you've got some really, like fun tools so they've added if there's like a terrain manipulator thing so you can just drill like endless holes through anything or you can build up like mounds and things and like in the moment to moment there's fun to be had like you know you go to a big cave and it's all lined with poisonous spores but there's something kind of glowing alien artifact at the end of the cave like using my terrain thing to dig like an alternative route into it that's great yeah you know, i'm really into that you know using the tools I've got to try and get around a little problem that's been naturally generated. And I'd be sad to see that go, um, which is why I play in the, you know, the uh, mild danger mode. Um, the idea that you could just waltz into the cave and, like, you don't have lungs, basically, in creative mode, so you can just breathe in whatever, uh, that's kind of, I don't know, doesn't it, doesn't appeal to me as much. But Yeah, it would take away some of the... Uh impression of a planet being a, a new and unknown place if you suddenly yeah. could do all of the things you would normally do on any safe planet yeah but then I, i'm not a big like uh building guy you know in uh, in these kind of craft you know, i don't know what the word is for them really these sort of craft craft em ups um i don't tend to go big into building like my dream house or like these mat you know recreating you know the the citadel from mass effect inside this game or whatever you know how people do you know some people are into that and that's just not it's never really been my bag so you know i, I know that creative mode is there for them and and that's yeah. that's fine yeah. but uh yeah I, I, if yeah if, if there's one thing i think which sort of you know reflects the game now it's just it's so flexible like there's so much you know there's always different options you can do any of them in the multiplayer stuff so you can have people helping you or hindering you or whatever just just you know arsing around and flying around and yeah just there's there's a lot to it but like there's so much uh you know just on the comments on on the videos we don't you know there's there's still so many people who are like so burnt by that initial release like they're just not interested at all and they won't mm. have it that improvements have been made and i guess you know you know i wasn't i didn't have that experience with it you know i didn't buy it to start off with but you know it's it's sort of a shame because i feel like there probably is that game probably is there now um, but some people just you know can't can't get over it or deal with it, and maybe they shouldn't have to. I don't really know. Um, I'm I'm one of them. I can't. I'm not. I'm not. I just hmm. I see see until those animals move in herds. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going in there. Right. <laughs> That's what you want. You want the. There are loads of them though, and the the. I don't know if this was in the uh, the original, but like when you scan the animals, some of their like psychological traits. You know, it's kind of. Oh, that's it's cool. really weird. So it sort of says this guy startles easily, or this one <laughs> can't get enough of eating this this other creature, or whatever. And I, I quite like that. Some of them are quite human. It's kind of is lazy, you know, just doesn't uh, just can't be bothered or whatever. <laughs> and that's that's quite fun. Like it feels like there's a spark of life in there. Whether that was there originally, I don't know, but it's it's kind of there now. 
the people at uh, Cherry RPS Fanzine, PC Gamer, uh, someone there, one of their writers, find a planet that um, basically it was like the most joyless planet. It uh, when you land on it, something something to do with how it was made meant that all color got drained from the world, including the color of your ship and your spacesuit. So when you landed on it, it was like going to this horrible. Oh, Not exactly monochrome, like black and white place, but very close. The only real strongest colour was brown, and that was the colour of the sewage-like water. <laughs> mm. And just it was just this, this tale of this horrible planet where nothing, no joy was allowed. <laughs> the animals. Anytime the writer tried to photograph or say it, feed an animal, um, another animal would come over and just kill it. Like, there's, there's no, there was no, you're not allowed to have a good time here. Uh, I just found out very interesting that you could land on a planet and suddenly you couldn't see in colour because of the physics of that planet somehow. Yeah. It wouldn't they, allow you to. I think that's interesting. They have these, the planets have these really good descriptions which sound, they sort of hint at what you, you know, it's kind of sort of, you know, forsaken acid wasteland or whatever and sometimes they sound terrible but you're intrigued nonetheless to sort of see um you know some of them are quite the descriptions are quite vague you know where it's just kind of like wondrous planet or whatever and you think wow i want to see what that means um so i'd be intrigued yeah i need to go looking for whether he found lifeless planet husk world <laughs> Sounds good. i don't know what it was called but uh i have heard tales of terraforming disaster planets <laughs> uh what else have we been playing you said dead cells yeah so i've i've only i've only just started it recently but it's become a, a sort of mild obsession it's brilliant i love dead cells to bits um currently writing our review so i guess that's the review given to anybody who doesn't want to read that <laughs> Um, it's wonderful. How are you finding it as a new player? When did you start? Uh, just at the weekend. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, it's all, all, all sort of new to me. Uh, isn't what I was expecting. Like, I'd heard people throw around the whole Metroidvania thing, but I, it's not really. I mean, the, the, you know, the collecting of abilities seems quite, there's only a couple as far as I can tell. Um. It's much more. I mean, it feels more like Castlevania, the kind of action you know, in terms of just relentless action with loads of fun weapons, um, which is kind of you know more of a Castlevania than Metroid thing. Uh, yeah, I love it. Like I, uh, you know, I guess it's it's when you're playing it from the outset, you know, it's just a game of constant discoveries. You know, everything drops something new, and you know, I want to play with everything and I want to see what everything does. Because uh, it's a game where, if you don't know, you're you're kind of in this dungeon. You haven't got any equipment, and then you you find lots of equipment. But the the each one feels like so satisfying to use, or so much thought's been put into the kind of animation of them and the feel of them that you know I don't feel put out that I haven't found the cool thing that that was getting me through on my last life. You know, I yeah. die, and then I'm like, oh well, I'll just get to play with some different stuff now. Yeah, no, death doesn't feel like a penalty. It's it's almost like I've never been angry at a, at a dead cell's death ever. Yeah. which is weird in a game that like um, models itself a little bit on the Dark Souls template of you die because it's hard. Whereas in something like Dark Souls or that kind of a game, you you'd often get angry at your own death or annoyed or frustrated or whatever as part of the game. But in dead cells, it's like you just shrug and be you just shrug and think, well. It's fine because I'll just get a cool new electrical lightning zapping ability the next time. Like, big deal. Yeah, I get... I, I, maybe there's like a mild bit of frustration when I've got something which is so clearly helping me. Like, it gets me much further than I ever got before. And then I die. And then I'm like, well, if I don't... You know, I may not get back to this point again for, for some time. You know, I've currently got my game saved in the furthest I've ever been in the game which isn't very far because I'm not very good at it. Well, I don't think it's very far anyway. And, you know, I'm kind of terrified because it seems so much harder, but I just happen to have had a combination of upgrades uh, and drops that are super powerful. And as long as I use them very carefully, I can kind of cheese my way through it. Um, are you using, like, turrets and things? Yeah, basically turrets do everything. And I put all my 
those little upgrade scrolls, I kind of pump them into the tactics category so that you know the turrets I can basically redrop them instantly. They do they've got a crazy damage per second boost if I'm near them, and it's only getting higher with every scroll I pump into them. But the downside is like everything else they've got is kind of crap. But yeah, that's good. I'm when uh, when you're playing it, are you do you like regularly get the same distance in the game or do you find each run ends very differently so i normally get to at least the maybe the fourth or fifth area um but you can go different routes so the fourth or fifth area will be different depending on which way you go i've gotten the furthest since i've been playing it for review i've gotten the furthest that i've ever gotten keeping in mind that i've unlocked probably loads more um right than you have having played for you just before while it was in um early access yeah so i'll have like a bunch of different things that you, and we'll be able to make use of them and i've gotten i think i've got i don't know how much is left like i've never gotten to the final boss but i do get yeah you, I, there's usually a minimum um, a minimum distance i get but i do the same thing as you like lots of turrets if i get turrets i'll if i get a choice between a turret and anything else i normally do have you ever used the shields? Here's a big question. This divides everybody at RPS. Uh, no, <laughs> I use them. I use them like three times, and was like, nah, not for me. <laughs> yeah, see, I don't really use the shields because of the timing required, and in a panic, I will often mash the button too early or too late. And right. for a shield, you, the thing you have to do is you have to. There are little exclams appear whenever an enemy goes to hit you. So if this horrible zombie just goes to whack you, a little exclamation point will appear above his head, and you have to press the shield button. Just as it does that, um, just as it hits you to like parry it, and right. depending on whether you parry it or not, you'll get a bonus, or it'll do some special thing. It'll set them on fire, or it'll freeze them, or you, I don't know if it right. freezes them or does things like that, but it'll give you a special. It'll it'll do good things when you parry and block, but I've never gotten that down, and I think Graham and uh, Adam, who used to work here, would always pick the shield over everything. Oh think just knowing that they were bonus but I was like why use a shield when you can just get a load of throwing knives and just bleed people dry from a distance like oh yeah throwing knives yeah the turrets I really love um I did get a really good sword drop so I've, I've been kind of hitting people with that if if it feels safe oh so many so many good good tools in it though I the only thing with the turrets is I do wonder if I let the turrets do so much of the work that I'm sometimes just sitting there waiting for them to finish and I don't know if that's kind of cheating or cheating myself. Um, I, I think they're, the developers have always, like, that was a bigger problem before. Right. Uh, where you could put down a turret and you could run away and it would just fire forever. But now they make you be close to it and they encourage you be being close to it with all these, like, other bonuses and mutations and stuff. Yeah. Uh, and as long as you're close to it, the enemies will be close to you. Or, you know, relatively close to you. Um. And eventually there are enemies that will not, like, the the turrets won't be able to deal with that well. <laughs> For instance, later on there are enemies that can attack vertically through uh, layers, like through the floor that they're on. Oh, jeez. So they're, they're these spearmen and they can attack horizontally as well, so they can attack kind of in four directions. That sounds Very rough. strong attacks. So if you put a, you can't put a turret down next to them very easily and you can't you can't stand beneath them waiting for them to get killed by the turret because they'll just stab you in the head uh i i get really undone by the elite enemies that can like warp around yeah the warpers there a lot a lot of warping happens the further on you get in the game there's like one level is the clock tower and it's just got enemies that just love to warp warping is their thing that's that's Uh, where i'm at at the moment the clock tower yeah that's the furthest I've got. Oh, okay. The, the furthest I've got is only the level after that, so... Oh, okay. But there is a boss at the end of the cl- clock tower, so. Oh, the bosses I've had so far, I've been so bad at them. Like, I just drop the turrets and just jump around and hope that the turrets kill them before they kill me. <laughs> it's really embarrassing, like... But, no, but I, like, I feel like that is a legitimate strategy, and the, the some of the bosses are weak, more weak to that than other things. But some of the bosses have really definite weaknesses for instance the clock tower guy i think what's he called he used to be called the assassin but i don't know what he's called now um he's this guy who runs around on the 
like one level and he zaps towards you and he can throw a hook shot at you and pull you in and stuff like that. Mm. Um, he's really susceptible to being frozen. He just can't deal with it like that very well. Oh, right. Um, so freezing is really good at him. So it's not really cheesing if you just find their weak points. And some of the weak points are, yeah, put up the first boss, the concierge, if you put a turret, couple of turrets down in the middle and then just avoid his hits, he'll eventually be worn down. That's winning. Like, that's not cheesing. Oh, okay. Feel bad. I feel I feel better now. Um, yeah. The other thing I really struggle with is like I I've collected a few blueprints. Like I I know that there are loads more, but um I just have no idea where to put my orbs to like get myself going a bit faster in each run because I'm very easily won over by things that sound exciting uh, or I like the pictures and <laughs> and then actually when I get to it I'm like oh why did I do that. Um, yeah, you just have to kind of, I feel, just go with your heart. If you don't like shields, like, I don't like shields, so I basically never really spend much money on shields. Um, but I think the the guy who's, like, selling you these things, or, like, allowing you to unlock them, won't change his blueprints until you buy everything there. So sometime, eventually you're going to have to buy some shields, I think. Oh, okay. Oh, blows. There's a guy as well who you can give money to, and if you give him like a crazy amount, like the general quality of everything will improve that you'll find, like a blacksmith or something. Yes, he's, and, um... he's like, I need a thousand orbs, and I had like five, <laughs> and it was like, well, I've met you once, and I managed to give you five. <laughs> <laughs> he's totally new from um, from when I last played, and he appears between he appears after bosses, so any sales that you get from him. But the thing is, you get very few sales from... Sales are like the souls, basically. But you get very few sales from bosses themselves. So to get a load of sales to him, you have to not bank your sales. Like, no, it's not that you don't have to not bank your sales, is it? Because you have to bank them, don't you? Uh, I don't know if you do have to bank them. I thought you could, like, push on through and keep, if you want to keep them for something else. See, some of them... You do have to bank them because the door opens. I'll have to check this out because I, I think, thought... I think you can chop through the door. Can you? Yeah, I think you can. I think you can kick it down. Oh, that would explain a lot. Because usually it only opens whenever you've pumped all your sails into something. But I, I don't know if, that, if that's nonsense or not. Um, I, was trying to, I was trying to read around to get my head around how it all worked. Um, because my theory was that you would not bank your sales before facing a boss and that's like a risk reward thing you could lose everything oh, that you just I got see. from your last level or you could keep it all and so that you can bank that bigger pile of sales with the blacksmith who upgrades everything um mm. and that would be a way to upgrade him faster but also harder to do because you might get killed by the boss and then lose everything mm. uh but i don't know if that's that's a theory it's a theory I don't know if it's workable. Is there a cheap way to harvest cells? No. Oh, damn it. They don't let you do cheap things in this game. Oh, I love cheap things. Anytime they find, like, a cheap thing, they they get rid of it. Oh, damn it. Um, they, don't like, they don't like cheapness. When the turrets were too cheap before, they made sure people weren't doing that anymore. Oh, blast. I love, I love shortcuts. I'm so lazy. I'm the laziest gamer there ever was. But this I enjoy. I enjoy playing it. I tell you what I really like as well, very quickly. I really like the little little rooms with bits of story where you just kind of tinker, you know, the little animations where you kind of yeah. rifles through people's stuff. Like, it's it's simple, but it's really well done. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm very glad they didn't go overboard on it as well. Like, it's just like two lines of dialogue or whatever when you yeah, find a statue and you look at it. Very characterful, though. It's, it's uh, yeah, I love it. Really good. Um, shall we see what other people have said about their best game openings? Yes. We have a lot of people saying Bioshock. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and a fair amount of people saying Half-Lives. Uh, we also have a lot of people saying The Last of Us, which I think is a very good shout, except that it's not on PC, but you can still shout about it. Yes. David Kramer says, The Last of Us, because of the level of detail, how they introduce their characters, they take the time for them, not rushing into action, and by make by that, make the player care about them. Mm. And I'm not going to read the rest of uh, what he says, because it might spoil the opening. Oh, yes. Uh, it's a very, very... It's a strong opening. Um, it's not like... <clears throat> the things that happen in it aren't 
totally they're not revolutionary like it's it's pretty uh cliche stuff but the style with which it's done is really strong yeah have you ever seen the making of documentary of the last of us where it shows like the the actor's kind of original take on that scene and it's like horribly overblown and you know it was quite it feels quite raw and awkward it's quite it's quite <laughs> uh, i always thought it's quite interesting that they put it out there because it's you know it's kind of embarrassing um to see someone go so full out like and you can see the director by the side thinking like whoa 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 like <laughs> let's not let's not go too overboard here but uh, it's it's interesting like to see their process on something like that i should watch that yeah i'm sure it's on youtube somewhere uh, someone here uh, charlie uh zymanski offers fahrenheit uh the david cage adventure makes it clear something has gone horribly wrong in your life and you've got to run and the split screen starts that clock ticking so that's the one where you start off in the bathroom you've just murdered someone and you have to clean it up don't you, you have to clean it up or just get the hell out of there and there's there's so many options you know it's kind of well what am i gonna do and you can see like the waitress outside coming towards the door and oh, that was good it was very good pity about the rest of the game yeah that's the best thing david cage ever did was that opening to fahrenheit james burr i'm gonna take exception to what james burr says he says, Final Fantasy XV is a favourite. It sets up a tone beautifully for both the open world and the character interactions. Now, I like Final Fantasy XV for what it is, but I don't think any of its storytelling is good. And the opening, you need to know like everything about that world before you go into it to even understand what's going on. <laughs> the bit where you push the car's good. Ah, that must be what he means. That's what he means, of course, yes. Sorry, not, James, not the weird right. bit where you have a fight against the end boss in the opening two minutes. Yeah, yeah, that <laughs> opening. Like, that's so odd. Like, it shows you that. It shows you all this other stuff. No, but you're right. Yeah, the the car pushing thing is quite nice. Yeah. It just sort of says, oh, this game's going to be a bit weird, <laughs> which I liked. I don't know why they didn't have the the courage to just start it with the car pushing. Yeah, it's kind of got that weird, yeah, that's a weird boss hanging over it. The funny thing was, with that bit at the start, I thought, well, eventually I'll understand what all this was about, and I've played the whole game, and I don't. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, like, it's like, don't worry, you'll know what... And it's like, nope, I don't know who that guy was, I don't know why we were fighting him. Um, It involved a ring, I think. Um, There's a a good one here from Ian L, who says, I don't know about best, but I'll I'll make a shout-out for Forza Horizon 3. Sets up the core tone of being fun rather than simu- serious simulation, extreme without being macho, sunny rather than grim, and the different styles of vehicle really quickly. Teaches the controls and that you enjoy. That is, su- that is such a good opening to that game. And there's a brilliant article. It's either an article or a podcast, it was a long time ago, about the amount of effort they put into the opening of their games. Like, because I don't know if you've played Forza Horizon 3, but it... It, it kind of the Forza Horizon games start like you kind of you sort of jump from car to car and you're basically doing one long kind of tour of the area, but it kind of encompasses three different races, but it's all kind of on the rails, like you get switched between cars automatically, and it just shows you like three amazing vehicles in about ten minutes. It shows you three of the most amazing tracks at the same time, and you just come out of it going, oh, I just want to see all of it. I want to do all of it. So it's like a tester of what's to come. Oh, it's brilliant, and like I know that they'll do it in, I think, because uh, they've got Forza Horizon 4 coming out this year, and the whole thing with that game is that it has like re- seasons, they're not real-time. Set which, in Britain, isn't it? Yeah, set in Britain, and the seasons change, I think, on a weekly basis, but I'm pretty sure the opening to the game will show you the four seasons like in really fast succession, so you'll be doing like real-time seasonal changes or something. I can't wait to see it, I think that would be rad. That's a good show, actually. I wouldn't have thought of that. Mm. Sad that nobody has mentioned uh, Tekken 7's great opening, where you play as a, a tiny child trying to beat up your dad. Really? <laughs> yeah. You just get a flashback sequence of being a tiny, tiny Kazuya in a little tiny, like, karate outfit with these cute little, punch, you know, boxing oh, gloves. And, nice. and he's still, weirdly still got the same hairstyle that he does as an older man. But he's just, <laughs> excuse me, but he's just punching his dad in the belly, like, punching Hayachi in the belly, trying to get like a revenge on him for something you don't find out 
and, then, and you're controlling this child, like trying to beat up your dad, but he just lamps you with a kick, <laughs> like throws you flying, and then he picks you up and throws you off a cliff. Um, Tekken Seven, it's a good game. Story of my life. Uh, what else have our readers said? Someone gives a shout out. Josh Williams specifically gives a shout out to Chronicles of Riddick: Escape from Butcher Bay. Does a wonderful job of setting the scene, introducing the characters, and giving you an insight inside Riddick's mind while hammering home how grave his situation is. And it is grave. Um, that's a good, yeah, it's a good shout. That game's generally got a really good first couple of hours. It doesn't really put a foot wrong for quite a long time, and then yeah. it, it all goes a bit shooty towards the end. Isaac Montero suggests Resident Evil 7. Says the opening's fantastic because of how confusing and off the wall it is at first, but once you've beaten the game, nearly everything that's said and done by the characters in the opening makes sense. Which is true. That opening is pretty intense. Have you played Resident Evil 7? Yes, I played the opening. I don't think I played any further because I'm a wimp. Yeah, it's really full on, the opening. You get your ha- that bit with your hand and all that jazz. <laughs> it's freaking horrible. <laughs> yeah. It's so, so brutal. Anyway, we should probably leave it there. Mm. Um, thank you very much for sending in your suggestions for good game openings. Yes. Um, we hope you've enjoyed this. If you have any suggestions for themes or topics for future episodes, you can email us podcast at rockpapershotgun.com. Uh, we're also on Twitter and Facebook and YouTube at rockpapershot. Uh, Matthew, you're on Twitter, I think, as well. Yeah, Mr. Basil underscore pesto. And I'm on Twitter too at brendy underscore c. Cool. That's it from us. Uh, unless you have any concluding remarks. I don't. I've had a really good time, though. Thanks for having me. That's great. This is like um, all video games where the opening was quite strong, but now <laughs> when we're getting towards the end, it's actually rubbish. <laughs> and everybody's just switching off early. Is this going to be like Final Fantasy, where we loop back round and work out why we were fighting a demon at the start of the podcast? Oh my god. <laughs> I really I really want to be doing that. I tell you what, um, we'll do a pretend thing where we're fighting a demon right between <laughs> yeah. you and me and then i'll put that at the little sound bite bit before the music starts and then when people get here they'll realize oh that's why they said that right <laughs> all right okay yeah. so let's do that ah i'm being killed by the demon help matthew oh it's too strong it's too strong perfect so now you know why we did that there you go um i, ho- I hope you've had fun listening uh and we'll see you next week goodbye bye clothes.